footy. We got the whole crew here tonight. Let's dig right in because we got a lot to cover today, boys. We might be going over an hour. Uh, Matt's the first person I got right here in front of me. Matt, how's it going, man? About as well as it could possibly be going. The the sun's out later. The birds are chirping. City signing some global stars. I don't think it could get much better right now. <laughs> I think I got a little sweaty at that friendly. Was that yesterday? <laughs> yeah, I think that was just yesterday. Weather's been nice. Very nice. Santiago, how are you doing, man? What are you up to? Oh, doing great, doing great. Happy that St. Louis City SC keeps uh, coming up with news and with signings. And as Matt said, happy that the nice weather is finally arriving. And I'm sure it will get cold again uh, for a few days, but I think we're past the worst. So I'm happy about that. <laughs> a little a little self-help there, making sure that we're not terrib too terribly disappointed once we get another snow or something like that. Right. <laughs> uh, Jake, I saw you were a lot like me today. You couldn't get off Twitter, right? Oh, dude. This is every time, every time city, I'm like, I just trying to get along with my day job so I can <laughs> have a life and city ruins it. Dude, it's been wild with the rumor starting a couple nights ago. Um, and then also, uh, I'm a big Australian rules football fan and their season just started last night. So I'm very sleep deprived because I woke up at 3 a.m. to watch the game last night, which wasn't even my team. My team <laughs> plays tonight at 3 a.m. So, uh, but hey. A lot of good stuff happening. I, I don't feel tired right now. I can definitely sleep deprived, but I'm like super energized with everything happening. So you're riding the high. Oh yeah. Yeah, it'll hit you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's that early season. Um, Stuart, that was you chiming in there. How's it going, man? Uh, it's going well. I've uh, changed my avatar, um, and uh, my camera has decided to stop working again, unlike last time when it was working last two times. Um, so uh, if cool, Vin's man. watching, uh, I'm sorry it broke, but uh. <laughs> Stu comes and goes. If we do too many yeah. of these streams without seeing you in person, you might just have to put that logo over your face so I recognize you. Yeah, I'm down for it. Full face tattoo. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can we can attest to Stu is physically okay. Phil and I saw him at the the preseason match yesterday, so Stu is okay. Am I actually okay though after that? Well, as those, okay as those penalty be. kicks, <laughs> they aged us for sure. <laughs> Felt like we were there for half our lives. 16? Yeah. 15? 19. 19 oh, rounds. Yeah. 19 rounds of penalties. That's, was that? That's the longest I've ever ever seen. Was that because it was tied, or just because they just wanted to keep going? It was tied in pens. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So they both. didn't want to keep going, trust me. <laughs> I've actually never, it's always stopped for me at the goalkeepers at the latest. Does it go, what does it do? Does it start back at the top? Start they over. Started, yeah, they started back over. Oh and it, so we'll probably get to the results, but the funniest part of it, and I, I mean, I hate to call him out, but Josh Doling missed a PK that would have won it against his alma mater. And that's what kept it going. <laughs> He did it for the for the Bears. And he, he caught so much hell from the keeper. I mean, it wasn't a keeper stop. It was just, I mean, he missed it. But um, he caught so much hell from MSU. <laughs> well, uh, let's jump to the news, guys. We've got a big one today, and it is that Roman Burke is now the goalkeeper, as far as we know, for St. Louis City SC. That is MLS proper, and he'll be coming in July. And that's all the news I'm going to give you. Uh, Matt, why don't you fill us in on some other details before we all kind of respond here? 
I mean, I think we know like who Berkey is uh, by now. Mm-hmm. Most people, especially folks who tune into this, have been on social media, seen the the blasts of pictures and news, and and if they're not familiar with him from Dortmund, then they're familiar with him now from the social media blitz. Um, but he has over 200 Bundesliga game experience, uh, over 30 Champions League match experience. He has won two cups with them, Jake, I believe. Uh, he, I mean, he's been there and back. Um, he's tall. Six, he, City credited him 6'2". Transfer market credited him 6'4". So he's taller than Lutz. Those pictures are pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Lutz is 6'1", I think. Um, 31 years old. He has been with Dortmund for seven years, I believe. Um, and the, the the tricky thing is, or really the interesting thing to me, is how and why we seem to have gotten him. So he hasn't played a match for Dortmund since last May, last season. Um, Fallen out of favor. They're going with a younger guy. Um, Jake can probably fill us in on the details on why he hasn't played. But all of that has kind of enabled uh, the market to open for Berkey. And with Lutz's connections, um, I think that City is the only MLS club that had an opportunity to bring him to the United States. I don't see any any other suitors. We didn't hear any rumors of any other MLS clubs. Um, and I think it was Lutz's connections and Lutz himself and his experience, knowledge, and the fact that everybody knows him in Germany and that relationship that really enabled this to even be possible. I think also the opportunity that City was providing to be a stable everyday keeper. So the Bayern rumor that he had, so Bayern Munich, uh, Aston Villa were among two of the suitors for him. But I know Bayern was more of a a backup keeper role that they wanted to bring him in as. And I I think that led heavily into his decision, aside from the United States being an interesting option, aside from MLS being a growing uh, league that is attracting some some better players in in their prime, I think the opportunity to play full time, plus loots, put put it over the edge, um, and and it's very serendipitous for St. Louis City because all reports indicate it was a free transfer, and we were able to bring him in under the DP threshold, not use a designated player spot on a goalkeeper, which would have raised some eyebrows even with me. And the ability to, from what we understand, he's on a TAM level, which means he's making over a combined uh, salary and, and any kind of transfer fees, making which there shouldn't be, but he's making over league maximum, and we have the ability to buy him down through TAM. So that level of player uh, provides a lot of salary relief, and with his experience and his um, his resume, his pedigree, it, it lines up extremely well with other keepers. Um, in MLS, and I don't mean to monopolize the time, but I was doing some comparisons to uh, Andre Blake in particular. So I was, I was, I got into a Twitter argument somehow with the guy who was saying um, Matt Turner would be starting at Dortmund, and when I was trying to say how well Berkey would fit in in MLS as a top tier keeper already, it was a weird argument. <laughs> yeah. But but I, I started doing comparisons between Turner and Blake and Berkey just to see how he would line up because I didn't want to make an ass of myself of claiming he's the one of the best keepers or potentially in MLS already because it's a that's a pretty big statement and his save percentages his goals against per 90 minutes his clean sheet percentages i mean they are and we're talking big numbers here with uh matches played Berkey with over 300 matches played Andre Blake over 170 he lines up right there better better than Blake with goals against over 90 uh better clean sheet percentage 
And that is the best goalkeeper in MLS, lining up with that caliber of a player. So it is not, to me, an uh, overstatement to say that this puts us right there, top tier goalkeepers in MLS. Really cool comp there, Matt. I'm glad you fit that in. Uh, but we can't do any more without going straight to Jake here. Jake, you got a one up on us. You had a show last night. You're in two podcasts. One is for St. Louis soccer, of course, flyover footy, and the other is for Dortmund, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a, a really cool like perspective and take to have because I mean, I, I started the the Dortmund podcast, which first of all, I want to just give a shout out and thank you to anyone from St. Louis who went back and like listened to what we had to say about Berkey as a Dortmund supporter and as a St. Louis supporter too, because. Um, just really cool for everyone to check it out even if you're not a Dortmund supporter I understand you just want to like find out what we know and what we want to say have to say about Berkey but um I kind of started that podcast because I'm like there's not a lot of English speaking Dortmund podcasts I'm like there's kind of a a miss for it and like what are the odds that like (laughs) this kind of news happens like to fall in our laps kind of like pretty crazy and we were already scheduled to do a podcast yesterday so it just was perfect like it was really awesome to be able to do that um and just kind of get that take and uh i've just i've been seeing other like dortmund supporters groups from across america like just even talking about it and hyping it up and like oh i'm gonna have to go see him now it's like you get to see him every week like <laughs> this summer maybe at creepcore soccer park i don't know like just insane just crazy but um yeah i think there's a lot of different perspectives to look at this um as the because i think the maybe a little bit of an outside outsider mls or st louis soccer fan can be like oh my gosh you see the announcement that we're getting Dortmund's keeper sounds amazing looks amazing is amazing and then you you dive into stats a little bit or realize that he hasn't been playing he's not the number one keeper um so things start to get a little iffy and murky you're like well is he really that great um and it's i mean so I don't, I don't know like all the details. Obviously I can't break down everything. I don't know exactly what went wrong, but I think there's it's been some stuff more like personal life and personal issues. A big thing that's tied with him kind of like falling out is never being able to recover from there's, if you don't know, there's a, a like the Dortmund team bus was bombed on their way to a match. Um, so there's a lot of like mental struggles with that. And uh, just not only him, but other teammates, like they, they witnessed their teammates get brutally injured and stuff like in this horrific uh, attack. So uh, that, that was kind of something that I know affected him mentally and uh, never quite bounced back. Um, and then there are the, the Dortmund fans who like love him. And cause he's, he's had some fantastic games. He's played in champions league. He's done some big things, but then there's also games where it's like he fell apart and like made some mistakes. So there's, there's really like, it's kind of weird to look at it and be like, how do I perceive this? How, how do I go about if I should be excited or not? Um, but my, my big thing and my big takeaway is uh, with with Lutz having that connection with the Bundesliga and being so tied to it. And th- this is also us are having like blind faith in Lutz and like trusting him, which I do. Uh, we might see things change over the next couple of years when let's see how everyone plays and how everything goes. But like just having that blind faith and trust in Lutz and he he knows Berkey's history. He knows him from the Bundesliga. He wouldn't just bring him in if he's like, this guy's completely off form and there's no chance of him coming back. Um, it, it's kind of been a situation where he he's needed a move, just kind of a change of scenery, like to refresh and refocus. Um, and you'll even see, I mean, even on the 
like St. Louis announcement and the Dortmund announcement, if you go through the comments, also a negative thing that you might see is like a lot of Dortmund fans are kind of like, oh, good, like, good, he's getting out of here. Like, th <laughs> thank goodness he's finally gone because he hasn't been able to be productive over the last season and a half or, or two years. And he, he has got paid a lot because he was the number one keeper. So he's on a big salary at a long, longer contract. So that's why you're seeing Dortmund fans be like, oh, thank goodness he's out of here. Cause we, we do have a, a good younger keeper in now who easily took the number one spot and has been flying and just kind of like he fell off and wasn't able to get back. But that's why I think just a change of scenery. It's something he's needed. Uh, there's been a lot of links with him moving before, especially in January. A lot of people thought he was going out the door. So I wonder how early this stuff started to play out. Cause a lot of people, Dortmund fans were upset when he didn't leave in January. Cause they're, they're just thinking about the wages, like getting the wages so they can bring in more players. Um, but yeah, my, my perspective is that trust in, in Lutz because I don't think he would sign him or bring him if he didn't think he would be able to be successful. So, Do you know what kept him at Dortmund this past transfer window? Because it seemed like he had a pretty concrete offer for a sale, if not a loan, and it, it almost seemed like he chose not to go. I No, I don't, I don't know specifics, and that's why I don't know if if they were working this deal for a while is maybe my only guess. I, I was doing a little bit of reading uh, about him and stumbled into an article about the transfer in January. And um, what I got from it was that he, at the end, he, he said he didn't want to do it because uh, basically he was going to uh, Turkey to Galatasaray and um, it was because Fernando Muslera, the starting goalkeeper, uh, has been injured. But apparently, when when all these transfer rumors were going around, um, apparently the timeline for Muslera to come back uh, was earlier than the, what people thought. So uh, Berkey didn't want to go there and not have any playing time. Mm. So that kind of adds to the story of mm -hmm. Lutz is offering him a guaranteed first team spot. He's going to see 90 minutes or the bulk, if not all of the games. Yeah, he did. He mentioned in the, the release that he's looking forward to him being um, a good leader for the young kids. So I'm sure that plays into it as well. And the last thing I'll say, and Stu, I'm going to turn it over to you, um, is uh, it's interesting, too, to think about the fact that, yes, he's German. Yes, he has the contacts. He got him here. But Lutz is also a goalkeeper who's dealt with a traumatic experience. If you think about his time in Singapore, being falsely accused of gambling um, and being thrown in a Singapore prison, and, and who knows, you know, what they were doing to get the truth out of him, uh, we don't know. But you could tell by the way he's talked about it that it was a traumatic experience, and you got to wonder whether that plays into it. I mean, that may be reading too much into it at the same time. But just a thought there, uh, Stuart, Stuart. Anything else you want to say about this signing? Well, uh, Jake touched on <laughs> how we might see in this summer, this July, at Creefcore Park. Um, and yeah, I know it looks like he will be playing with MLS Next Pros, uh, St. Louis City 2, in July of 2022. So the other day I joked about, can he do it on a warm August night at Ralph Court Stadium? <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, it, it is kind of surreal to think about, yeah, a, a player of that caliber is going to be playing against, um, I don't know, some 16-year-old kid from the Union 2 Academy 
on the Union 2 team from the Union Academy. It's just, it's really bizarre and extremely unique. Um, I honestly what? can't think of anything else. But Stu, at the same time, he could be playing next, right next to Josh Mayer and Fritz Vollmer. So, I mean, that could be his center back combo at some point. You never, I mean, so you're talking about playing against. At the same point, he could be playing with and alongside these 17-year-olds on our team, developing them and kind of mentoring them and coaching them up, positioning, just general knowledge. So that's exciting. Yeah, and if you're a guy like Eric Walker, you just have to be over the moon right now. I mean, he's going to be a guy that's training with you every day. Um, I mean, just imagine that type of incredible opportunity you have um, with a guy like him coming on board. And and same goes for all the other signings. I know we haven't talked about them yet, but each one of those guys are, you know, adult professionals and they're going to bring everything to the table that, you know, a guy who's been there like Josh Yarrow will as well. And I don't want to overlook Josh and everything he's been doing too. So yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I mean, I'm excited about Berkey. Um, like Matt said, uh, if he came on board as a DP signing, then that's generally a recipe for disaster in MLS. Yeah. Um, Changes the narrative a whole lot. Yeah. Coming on board as a TAM player. That's, uh, that makes a huge difference, huge, huge difference. Well, and Stu, one of the things you were you picked up on is the, at this point, we're kind of saying it's it's a known fact. I think in a lot of circles, I was listening to the MLS Today uh, Twitter spaces with um, Tom and Sam from um, MLS Soccer and The Athletic, and they were they were discussing as if it was almost just assumed that all of our players would get loaned out. And I think that's still the narrative in a lot of circles and a lot of conversations that just like all of the other clubs in the past did, whether it's Atlanta or Nashville or even Charlotte, they're going to sign players. It, whoever they sign early, they'll just loan them out to get them experience, whether it's to a USL club to keep them domestic or somewhere else. The article from uh, Manuel Veth at Transfer Market laid it out pretty clear that Lutz made it clear to him that all new players will join the club that it will join the club are going to play for MLS Next Pro. So it's without the club making it official, that's as official as it can get. Yeah, and conventional wisdom is what uh, Tom and Sam are going with, which is you want your guys playing at the highest, highest competitive level that they can. But there's also, you know, roster um, calculations you have to take into account with these guys. Their clock starts the second they come and join the club in July towards getting their green cards and therefore, you know, dropping those international slots or freeing them up rather. So as, as interested as I am seeing these guys come and, and join and how ridiculous it'll be seeing them play against like 17 year olds um, in that league. It's uh, I'm equally curious to see what the, plan is to use those international slots next summer will be um, when they're freed because I'm sure you know Lutz and the rest of the sporting side of things are looking you know two steps ahead who's who's gonna take up those spots you know Ostrak's spot when he gets green card in in July or or whoever um, so but that's of course a long way from now 
Good well, and that's the other that's the other interesting thing for the international slots is we found out from basically Nick Kelly on Twitter, Charlotte uh, Charlotte FC's president, <laughs> that the rule that clubs have to have their international slots locked in by the rostered lock date before MLS season starts no longer applies to expansion teams. Charlotte has uh, what I assumed was an exemption, but turns out it's a, an unwritten rule now because it's not in the roster rules that Charlotte gets until the secondary transfer window to uh, convert an international player to domestic via green card. It is rumored now that we're getting the same opportunity, which means that the next year, next the first part of next year will be a lot more fluid in what we'll be able to do once that year mark is reached and or once the green cards are, are obtained by the players we have. So that's a really good point. MLS, man. Uh, let's get to some of the questions. The, we finally asked questions and asked four questions and many were given and we're going to not forget to read them online. Here we, here we go. Lou Boys SC podcast ask big fans of all the signings and we are excited about each of them individually at that at what point is there concern that Lutz and the fo front office may have blinders on for the bundesliga and previous players with whom they have relationships and we got a lot of pushback on this on twitter right like who spends tam money on a goalkeeper where there's a million good american goalkeepers they're not wrong per se right what do you guys think I'll start with that first part and then I'll let you guys say. So on the notion of there's a million good American goalkeepers, Lutz also said specifically today, after analyzing the North American goalkeeper market for 18 months, we came to the decision to sign an experienced foreign goalkeeper, a leader who is a role model for young players. We spoke to a few goalkeepers, but I have known Roman Berkey for a long time. And when I realized we could get him, it was a no brainer. So take into that the they analyzed the North American market for 18 months take into that he's known him for a long time you can make whatever argument you want based off that yeah so so besides i know lute said that but were you guys surprised i know the team has been analyzing the market for 18 months but did you guys expect for the club to sign a, a goalkeeper and a goalkeeper with berkey's level like uh and yeah he he and coma as a dp player but it's a it's a player that has had success. Uh, I never imagined that St. Louis was gonna sign a goalkeeper. I, I honestly thought they were going to find somebody in in the U.S. market or maybe in South America, maybe a young a young goalkeeper. But I never thought that uh, they were gonna go and get a a goalkeeper with Bundesliga and Champions League experience. Me either. But if he's Definitely there not. and he's an option and you're looking at the other ones, I kind of, I see where Lutz is coming from. I think he explained it perfectly. You know, how do you not sign Berkey with, with all the other guys out there? And if this is possible. Yeah, and, and because it makes, sorry, ahead, Andy, it makes sense with the, the quotes he gave, but also just the way that you can build your roster and you can get him on a free. And so that leads to not using the DP. So it was that perfect storm in the MLS roster mechanisms alongside all of the, the history he has with him and what he apparently saw or didn't see in the North American market. And a nice little thing that Matt slipped in there is a reminder, I forget constantly that the transfer fee is part of the DP status, right? Keep forgetting yes. that. So yeah. Santi, did you have more to say there? Yeah, so the other thing I was, thinking um, when I when the rumors started as, and as I saw the announcement this morning, the official announcement was 
if maybe the plan is for him to be the goalkeeper at least for the first two years, but keeping in mind that he's going to be a, a mentor for younger goalkeepers and just thinking about St. Louis as a town of goalkeepers, how great will it be for him to, to mentor uh, a local guy to be uh, our goalkeeper of the future? Yeah, it feels very much. What's the uh, hockey goalkeeper that spent time here as a coach? Martin Brodeur. Brodeur, yeah. Great one. That's a good one, Santi. I like that. I like that a lot. Let's go to another question. Um, Joseph Iliff, I don't know if I said that right, but that's what I'm going to guess. Um, also, how can we, the fans, make the new transfers feel welcome in St. Louis? They've probably not been here before. Is there a tradition when a new player comes from far away, a welcome gift or a ritual? This is good. I like this question. Well, I put an open invitation for Berkey to come join my Dortmund podcast, so I'll, I'll show him the town if he wants. I, I Take love, him to Amsterdam. I don't know. You got to love, like, a lot of these star players love to come to the U.S. because they don't get bothered. And here's Jake trying to get him on his podcast. <laughs> Maybe that's the new tradition that'll happen with so many podcasts of St. Louis soccer. I mean, the new tradition is to get invited to one of them. There we it's go. Not, no, and it's not just an open invite to come be a guest. Like he can co-host. It can be his <laughs> podcast. It can be the Berkey Boys show. I don't know. <laughs> nice. Berkey You're off a side hustle. <laughs> I love it. Um, also from Joseph Iliff, um, I know we're anxious to see all the new European signings playing in MLS Next Pro, but are we getting our hopes up too high? Will we really see them play? I think we covered that, didn't we? Sorry. Um, we will really see them play. Yeah. Great, great notes there, Matt. I love that you just whipped that, that quote out. That was good. Um, last one, Austin Adams, any guesses at what the announcements will be in the next 10 days? Quote, Nilsson seems like an obvious choice, but are there any other announcements y'all think the team will make in the next 10 days? This is a perfect transition because I wanted to move straight to talking about Joachim Nilsson. And here we go. Perfect opportunity. Do you guys think it'll be Joachim? And if it is or it isn't, let's move on to who else these 10 signings could be. Crazy. I don't know about in. 10 signings, but I definitely think he'll be a signing in our 10 days of Citymus or whatever it is. Yeah. That was almost if we're going off, there. If we're Sorry. going off the trend of uh, Manuel, uh, I mean, he was teasing the Berkey thing. Like, did, Was he the one who kind of put out the Berkey thing on Monday night when all hell broke loose for me on St. Louis and Dortmund Twitter? And then, uh, <laughs> and then two days later, here we are. Um, and then, yeah, and then he dropped the more Nilsson info like earlier today or something. So if we stick with he's that been, trend, it's looking pretty good. Yeah. And he's been championing that banner for a little bit now. I think before the Berkey rumors came out, he was already talking about Nilsson. Yeah. Um, who Stuart, you said, uh, got called up to the Swedish team uh, for what was it? A qualifying match, I guess. For the qualifiers. Two? Yeah. Yeah, the World Cup qualifying playoff, uh, which which is also interesting seeing he's going to be playing for a World Cup spot and he'll be playing on an MLS Next Pro team. It's just, again, um, pretty, pretty shocking. But some, yeah, some of the comments on, I don't know if you guys saw the replies to that tweet, but there are a lot of Swedish fans that were... Uh, not terribly happy about that signing by Nielsen, but you know, uh, 
I like what Lutz is doing. You build defense from the back, or you build a, a team from the back, and uh, he's starting with a really good spine with uh, Nielsen and and Berkey, and then I guess Klaus and Ostrak. That's that's your your spine so far, and that's and Yarrow. And Yarrow, yeah, yeah, Yarrow. If you want to, if you want to view him, depending on what his role may be next year. Yeah, no, it it seems like Lutz is starting to build things out the right way, though. Um, there's always proof in the pudding, of course, and we'll see how these these guys last. Because there's, I mean, whenever a guy leaves a club, it seems like there are fans who come out of the woodwork who just talk shit on him. So <laughs> it's hard to filter through a lot of this stuff which is why i'm glad you know jake you're here because you you have a good idea on actual performance of of berkey but uh i've been trying to sift through it and someone on reddit actually posted today about a kind of dire review of selmir pedro that i hadn't seen before so that was um interesting uh, I'll choose to believe it's not true, but they said he was pretty trash de- defensively, but good going forward. So, huh. yeah, uh, I see. I don't know. I, uh, I mean, he plays the full ninety every single match, so he's got to be doing something right out there. I know, and you don't just give international call ups generally to to no one, even though you know mix mix mix. Discord got a bunch of U.S. call-ups. Uh, I think he kind of faked his way into some of those. But... <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of like the that he played um, with the national team against our national team, and it's not like we what we scored a goal in the last extra minutes or something like that. Uh, but he did come in in the second part of the game, so maybe he came on to give some offense. So I'm not going to say that that's not true because of that information, but. It's interesting. I, I like seeing negative stuff. I don't want to see all positive stuff because it's a little more realistic, in my opinion, once you get a few of the bad details with the good. But uh, one one last thing I'll say about um, Austin's question about what signings we might get in the next 10 days. If I had to guess two positions, if we talked about, you know, we just talked about the spine, I think two spots we haven't really addressed exactly in uh, top team signings i would say it's a central midfielder fielder perhaps like a defensive midfielder um or if we were to sign a dp like a dp winger perhaps maybe even like a young money winger of some sort i would love to see especially that that role on a roster as far as money is concerned i'm super excited to see what someone like lutes can dig out for young money contract. So those are the two positions I would look book for. Any more thoughts about what might sign in the next 10 days before we move on? So Phil, you were talking about uh, DPs and uh, going back to that article from Transfer Mark, uh, Lutz wasn't like, didn't sound like very committed about bringing more DPs. Uh, mm. he, he kind of sees DPs more like as a label, but he wants to bring players that fit the system. and that will be uh, contributors to the team. But we'll see. We'll see. Maybe uh, in the next 10 days we, we get a surprise and we get another DP. Um, back to uh, Nilsson. I think uh, thinking that he's fighting for a, for a World Cup, um, for, a, for a spot on the World Cup roster, he may be an exception. And he may go on loan somewhere yeah. instead of playing in MLS uh, next pro this summer but we'll see interesting yeah that's uh 
That's that's a good point. Because um, his who's the Swedish national team coach? I, I have no idea, but I'm sure he's going to be pushing for him to play at the highest level he can. Oh, I'm getting a correction from Smitty Coach. His question was, what announcements will we get in the next 10 days? I'm saying player announcements. I guess it could be regular announcements. That's a good good. Well, point. Think, about who te- think about who teased it. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was Matt, it was Matt Seebeck that teased it, the chief experience officer. So while it could definitely be more signings that could fall in that, it could also be something related to fans or stadium or the app. Things seem like more in his realm. The first season is free for all season ticket holders. The uh, <laughs> we could we could get the Centene Stadium final MLS Next Pro match announcement. There we go. That's got that's we could a good get, one. That we could get something one. about um, season tickets starting for general uh, general reserved. We could get um, season ticket discounts for MLS Next Pro matches or the U.S. Open Cup, something like that. Um, maybe a European uh, friendly or a national team friendly or a national team game. Stadium match announcement. In our stadium, yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be good. Whether it's I want... women's or men's. I want food announcements, and I'm going to throw this idea at Matt Seebeck. It might already be in the works. I don't know. I just thought of it, though. He probably thought of it a long time ago because it's his job to do cool things. I'm probably behind. But you announce all the restaurants throughout and all the bars, and then you have a food festival where you get to come try all of them. (laughs) Just want to eat and drink. I'm a fan of this. Massive fan of this. Well done. At at Matt Seebeck. (laughs) Um... (laughs) One thing I do think, though, as far as player signings, um, I would be, I would not get hopes up, uh, and I have no information. I'm just saying I would not get hopes up based on one of the other comments Lutz made. Um, so we know Nilsson's on the radar. Pretty seems like that's a slam dunk. We can assume right now as much as anything can be assumed. So that will give four international slots out of the eight. Lutz made comment, um, being very cognizant that we have eight to work with, and he seems like he's indicating he is going to get to that eight. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's, that one comment didn't seem like he was you know, target beyond that, like Charlotte has. But if we're assuming he's gonna go for eight slots, he's also mentioned that uh, their focus for the summer is going to be on the South American and European markets. Hmm. So with four of the eight slots, and he actually said, with we have four of our eight foreign spots signed. So. I, I mean, you read that comment right now. We have four of our eight slots signed. That's Pedro, Ostrick, Klaus, Berkey, Nilsson would make five. So then you would have three for the summer looking at South America and Europe. I think that makes sense. Yeah. And it, it opens up some of the things that more seem more traditional nowadays in MLS, looking to South America for younger talent that could fit into the young DP or the under-22 initiative signings. So I know Lutz doesn't like to talk about those kind of labels and the roster mechanisms and stuff being a driving decision, but end of the day, MLS clubs are going to South America for those younger players, mm-hmm. and that would make a whole lot of sense to get five now, and then if he's already targeting the summer for South America, get some more then. Lines up for me. Another thing you mentioned today, Matt, in our, um, in our wherever we talk DMs, um, it was that if we get... 
uh, all these guys playing not on loan, if we get all these foreign international guys playing for MLS Next Pro, that starts the clock for this green card process, right? So, you know, talking about eight international players could be more than that if you count green cards um, the season after if we really get that, that clock ticking there, so... It'll give us a lot of opportunity to sign uh, mid, like early in the season or um, get a lot of things going to the transfer window next January, potentially. One more thing to kind of loop the signing announcements, potential signing announcements, and then like back to the Lou boys uh, question about blinders on the Bundesliga. I think, I don't think there's blinders necessarily, but it's almost taking va- advantage of Lutz's connections and be able to work those deals and if you think about it like those deals can take a little more time when you you have to get the medical check which could be a little more difficult if they're overseas you have to do the work authorization so when we see more the like the local players not why i don't know i can't think of that word right now domestic (laughs) domestic players the domestic players it doesn't take as much time to get all all that stuff worked through so that's why i think maybe we'll see those those deals come through a little later. So if we do get some more international announcements later or sooner in the next 10 days, I think that's just, again, taking the, like getting the loot advantage and, and working with uh, who he knows and, and be able to work through that stuff early just to get it done and get those deals done. Yeah. And time will tell, right? No one knows the answer to that. Uh, it's looking, um, I think we all feel pretty favorably about it right now. So. Uh, we will see. Um, let's talk about the other the players on the roster that are playing elsewhere or in town in this case. We're going to start because we all agreed that Josh Yarrow is not getting all the credit he should be getting uh, about being someone who is signed on this roster that is intended for use on, on the main MLS team, as far as we can tell. Um, so let's start talking about what we've seen from Josh Yarrow in preseason. I'm going to open it up to you guys because I forgot to grab my beer and I'm going to go get it real quick. Well, and honestly, before we before we mention what he's been doing, like I got paranoid the other day that we were starting to make up Yarrow being on City as assumed. So I was I was trying to dig an article. I was like, where did we find this quote? It was on his original announcement on the City website that that he was signed and he'll like move up or or with an intent for next year. So we it's not like they're not advertising him as signed for city and maybe that's just because they want to focus him on city too but i just for my own sanity like the the team has published that he's going to be on the roster next year the full mls roster that's what you mean yeah okay yeah yeah Yeah, i just wanted to get that out of the way before we talk about what he's been doing because i was paranoid about it when i looked it up but he's been really good in preseason right who wants to talk about him in preseason because it's obvious that uh there's a difference to the look and feel of the team when he's on on the field versus when he's not right yeah i didn't make the game yesterday um and i haven't made all the games but the louisville one especially with if you remember how windy it was in the first half we had the wind against us where like all we're doing is trying to hold like hold on like because the, the ball was coming back to us no matter what every single time and he was just seemed so solid it seemed like any time a ball was coming coming through especially with the wind to like make a little more difficult to uh like gauge it and and judge it and just keep up with it like i didn't have a lot of worry like in that situation which i I wasn't panicking much he just seemed so solid and so secure um which was just great to see like yeah he he's just like a good leader back there and has like the skills to back it up too not just a verbal leader but with his actions and how he's been playing it's been great 
Yeah, Stuart, he I seems very, oh, go ahead. seems now. very cool under pressure. He seems very cool under pressure. I, I like that, Jake. He's very calm and collected. He watching. He came in as a second half sub yesterday, but most of the time he's been starting. And in what we're probably going to talk about, uh, a potential starting eleven later. I he's obviously pegged in, but every time he gets the ball back there, when we try to play it out of the back, he seems like he's he's never worried. He's never he's never rattled. Uh, we were seeing Missouri State uh, forwards kind of pressure him a lot when he had the ball in his own zone. And he just, I mean, he made a couple slick moves, but it never seemed like there was any kind of concern about losing the ball. And that composure is what you're looking for, not in, not just in your center back, but in your captain. And I think that is, and so there's that, and then there's also just the captainship, the mentoring aspect that we've seen on display. He's pulling folks aside. He's he's giving little tips in when stoppages in play. He's talking to other players and kind of giving them pointers on where to position themselves or what he needs them to do. He is, I mean, he's the true leader of the team, and I've seen that every single game that we've watched. Yeah, and the thing, coolest thing yesterday about the game was that it was on the grass field next to the one with all the stands and things. So if you were watching that game, you were just on the sideline, you were close, there weren't a lot of people, there wasn't a lot of noise. And I've never, I loved it because we got to hear instruction from lots of guys, lots of leaders on this team, usually yelling at a younger person, right? Um, but it, it's cool because you, you get to see that. Uh, Stuart, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about that, but I noticed like, you know, AJ was, was kind of yelling at some guys. Uh, Makil Watts was, um, and it was nice to see. Even Kuzane, I loved seeing Kuzane um, instruct some guys on what they should be doing because his body language, he's very reserved. He doesn't show a lot of emotion, but he's out there caring, and I liked seeing that. Yeah, there was a lot of good communication going out there between the guys, and we are, I'm actually scanning the roster right now to see if our mystery uh, Brendan uh, is on there and he is not. No. So, um, Brendan was playing right mid, whoever Brendan is, Brandon. Uh, Brayden. No, I don't know. <laughs> Which we only know because we were so close, able to hear some of the other players yelling out and calling yeah. his name. So it's one of those, you turn your ear and you were listening very intently just to hear what they were actually yelling at him. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but no, it was, it was a great experience. It was a nice, warm, sunny day. Uh, couldn't ask for better weather. Uh, communication was good. All the guys looked good out there yesterday. Um, I, I showed up after, in the right after the second half started, so I missed the first goal and, and the first rotation of the guys. But second half, it was it was a lot of fun, and it was a lot of fun until about the 10th round of PKs um, <laughs> after the game. But uh, Kuzane's goal at the very end of the match was, that was something special. That was yeah. really nice to see. And, and Doling had a had a good bit of hold-up play in the corner, and then he, he fed it into to uh instead of going to the corner which someone was calling for him to go to the corner i don't know who who that was but instead of going to the corner he instead fed it to uh kuzane just outside of the top of the box and he just put that one in, in the top left corner it was just a gorgeous shot so uh but but baker and matt and i were talking after the game and after the pk is about how 
this roster rule is going to be or this game rule is going to be really interesting and might get old really really fast that every draw ends in pks because uh mm. novelty might wear off pretty quick um good call i or, agree i don't know um yeah, that's really interesting. I think since we're talking about Josh and we kind of dug more into all the players, I think we should just keep talking about preseason before we cover the rest of our players signed. Um, any other thoughts about what anyone has seen in preseason with the team? I'll lead off with just that uh, doling. It's really cool to watch. Another thing I noticed yesterday is like doling will give like a hand signal or he'll make like a three syllable noise. And at that point, I know for a fact that the ball's going his way, <laughs> usually on a dead ball, but you just never know. Like, I like the baller attitude that he's got, that Akil Watts and like a few other guys, it's like this thing that's going on and I like it. That was cool. But preseason, open, open forum here. What do you guys think? Well, I have, I have missed most of the preseason games for different reasons. But wanted to ask you guys, um, since you guys have been uh, at a few, like, have you seen the team getting better, like with every game? Is that something that you have seen? That's actually yeah, what that, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah goes to yep. that, that first. The first one we saw, which I believe was uh, Memphis, which was actually the third preseason game, um, I thought was not a finished product. You saw some some guys are still getting to know each other, feeling feel each other out um, but now that we've kind of settled on what I think is a pretty uh, apparent starting 11 or at least seems to be what they're favoring uh, ball movements much much cleaner um, communications better you know guys at the back line are, are covering each other filling gaps um, and it feels like even the keepers are a little bit more comfortable with directing their their backline, communicating. Uh, overall, I think there's definitely been been some growth, and um, I, it, it's just so hard as preseason. How 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 are they going to actually perform during the regular season? It's it's I just don't know, but can't help but be optimistic. Stu's coming around to my line of thinking. Can't help but be optimistic. <laughs> I think the one of the more difficult parts about preseason is dealing with all of the different uh, lineups and subs and formations because it's clear they're trying things out. Um, MLS Next Pro is going to be a league of trying things out, but this is just that as the as in, in and of itself, um, and it makes it hard to really judge how a player is when his uh, line mate might be completely different than who he's he'll start with. Uh, during the season but as the season as the preseasons developed two two things that have kind of stuck out to me on on players that are being real true leaders um were josh yarrow and aj palazzolo they we heard their i mean they were aj in particular was incredibly vocal yesterday and i i think he's been this way i i kind of sl slew as cold as all get up so i wouldn't blame anybody for not actually talking and just worried about conserving warmth but he was he was being very vocal in his leadership style. I mean, you were having some of the some of the younger guys who were out there on the pitch that he knew where they needed to be uh, when he either had the ball or he was just he had that field vision. And as more of like a defensive mid, 
I think that's going to be the, a huge asset for us this year. And that, I've seen that develop a little bit more and been able to, as I've watched the preseason matches, that stood out for me. Um, but also, Josh, it, it's almost the same type of leadership, but in a very manifests itself in a very different way. He seems more cerebral, more quiet, more reserved, where he's just going to pull a guy aside and just walk up to him and be like, and tell him like point blank what he needs to be doing or, or what went wrong or what, what will work better next time. And I think there's a lot of value in those different styles of leadership on, this, on the field at the same time. And I could see as the game progressed, and, and a lot of the players who I would expect to start came in as subs yesterday. And, and most played uh, most played the full 90, I think, against SLU. But I think as they become more comfortable with, with each other, and they are, they're not just vocal, vocalizing that to each other and knowing where each one needs to be, but Aside from some of the younger guys, everybody was really in position very well. I mean, we saw we saw consistent movements. We saw uh, what appeared to be some kind of a, like a defensive shift over to the entire left side multiple times, where they knew they had their game plan and they were just operating it to a T. And I've also been struck by the amount of possession that we have, um, just in general, the high press in the level of competition that we've been playing so far in preseason seems to have been working fairly well. I think the score lines reflect that. And I know in preseason scores mean nothing, uh, less than nothing, but it's it does say something about the team itself when they can keep clean sheets, when uh, they can put the kind of pressure on that we want to see them put pressure on. Because if you can't do it in preseason, you're never going to expect to do it in the regular season. So there's a lot left to see. But from the style of play that we've been sold and that we've been told that they're going to operate under, that has been getting progressively better and better. And I would expect to hear and hopefully see, but hear a lot of good things coming out of the Omaha game on Friday. Yeah, I think um, if you look at this preseason, I'm just going to draw from experience. Um, I think in the beginning we saw what I uh, I think a lot of this is coaching, and I really feel like a lot of this is John Hackworth doing his thing. When he took over um, for O'Connor, James O'Connor at uh, Louisville, uh, he didn't make a lot of changes, but what he did was make darn sure the defense was solid. And so we kind of saw, even though it was disjointed in the attack, even though the swarm just almost didn't exist in game one, right, against Memphis, um, the defense was there, right? It was very solid. And um, he's been experimenting with different players, which has been awesome and hard at the same time. Uh, but, you know, as the season has progressed, not only are we getting better at all the things you guys mentioned, but the swarm is starting to show up. And I think it's always almost like a correlation between um, when the guys are pressing really well and starting to disturb them and a goal is coming in the next 15 minutes it feels you can almost feel it or at least a good shot or you know a good movement of the ball and so that's something um, I've been noticing and I think a lot of that is attributed to how Hackworth is, is managing these guys which is nice um, I'll also compare other preseasons to at St. Louis FC I'll notice and we're going to build our starting 11s later but um, you know like you see like 50 to 70 percent of starters and then there's a bunch of guys that they're trying out and they're always kind of splattered all over the field the new guys so that's something i've been noticing as well um so that's been fun to kind of read through that once we kind of figure out who everybody is um uh, i think that's all i was gonna say any other thoughts about preseason and how it's been going 
Uh, I would I would correct Matt on one thing. Typically, uh, results don't matter at all in preseason, but beating Lucity twice in uh, one <laughs> one game, both in regular <laughs> game and in penalties, uh, that that was that result mattered a lot to me. So I, I was very happy seeing Louisville lose. One hundred percent concede that point. <laughs> well said. You had to fit in twice. I love that. The other last thing, I forgot to say this, though. Um, one thing about all of us all through that that preseason so far is that we've been hard to play against. It doesn't matter who. You know, Memphis, Louisville, Missouri State. We looked really good against Missouri State, but, like, we frustrated Louisville. And that was actually – I was most worried about that game because they played a decent amount of first-team players against us, and we held our own. We made it hard for them gave them some chances and we stood up to them and scored a goal in the end. It was awesome. It was perfect, right? Well, on the swarm note, I think one of the biggest takeaways too that it's I mean it's apparent if you're watching for the players to swarm when they don't have the ball is in order for that to be effective, you have to make sure that if the swarm is beat and if they get past your midfield that you're tracking back and that you're you're preventing them from getting open shots or having numbers in the box. And I, I mean, it could have been, it could have happened once or twice, but I'm just not remembering a whole lot of times where that's occurred. And it's a credit to not only the formations that we have and the ability for our players to attack when they're on the defensive side, to attack the guy with the ball, multiple players attacking one individual, but also to our center backs in particular. And I think our defensive midfielders are doing a fantastic job of tracking back. And when I was mentioning shifting formations over to the left side, for instance, I think that's why we're seeing that. The more I thought about it, the more it just became obvious that if we're if we're trying to attack the ball, uh, attack the ball holder, ball handler on the left side, and we're putting all of that pressure over, we're kind of like committing to one side of the field mm-hmm. and ensuring that the ball can't leave that that side of the field. So we're we're kind of dedicating ourselves to the the half of the field vertically, the half of the field as opposed to just letting the players on that side of the field who play left back or who play left center back deal with what's over there. We're committing fully. And it doesn't seem to have uh, really bit us yet, but I think that's to me that to me is one thing really to keep an eye on as we start the season, if we can keep that kind of pressure up against uh, league opponents. Agree. There's some- uh, so side note real quick, I think I might know who Brendan is. Uh, mystery. I think that might be Brendan Gittemeyer, who's the equipment manager. He might have been playing yesterday, um, getting some time in. That's uh, insane. <laughs> yeah. Who? Oh, that go ahead. Go ahead and say who else we thought was on the field at one point. Uh, I thought maybe Charlie Rankin was out there, but um, I wasn't yeah. sure. We never figured out who he was. So there, but, yeah, um, there was a, a, a midfielder or somebody playing on the, the left side that we just could not figure out who it was. And from a distance, had the same build as Charlie. It's possible. I'm not going to say I mean, it wasn't if they're throwing out If they're throwing out the equipment manager, everything's on the table. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Let's talk about Thomas Ostrak. Manuel corrected me on that. I still did my best. Who knows? Thomas Ostrak. Ostrak? I think that's the closest thing to what he was trying to get me to say. I'm sure it's not right, but um, he He played, played. right? Matt, you tweeted all about this, so why don't you lead us on this one? 
it was a it was a mystery to be able to find out what he was up to because he played for FC's, FC FC Cologne two, or their U twenty one team, um, and he had played for them. Re- that was his most recent uh, appearance for Cologne. But it's been awkward because he hasn't been getting time with the first team, and so it's been difficult to track. Almost like Berkey in the sense, but not as cut and dry defined as you know last last year. But Ostruck has been just not there. He had an injury last fall, so I don't know if any, anything was being recovered. And then there seemed to be, from media reports, a little bit of a desire for uh, him to stay at Cone, but he didn't sign with them. So I almost see this as like he's not part of their plans anymore, so they're not going to play him. We might see a lot more of him on the U21 side, but he he did um, he did play second appearance in the past month for that U21 side. Um, he let off the scoring for them in the 27th minute, so they won the game. Um, yeah, it was a nice little uh, it was a nice little shot from distance. It didn't have a whole lot of bite to it, but it was uh, from um, midfield. I don't know about 10 yards outside the box, uh, bottom left corner. Uh, he just took it. He took a, took a chance, and he made it made it past the keeper, and that's all that matters. But he had himself a good game. Played uh, played about 66 minutes, and I hope to see him featured a little bit more. Um, going into the last couple of weeks, the last few weeks of the season. Any thoughts about, like, did you see him pressing a lot? Because I know Colin kind of presses a lot. Um, I don't know. They didn't have it... the, so the match wasn't available to watch. Oh, I was sorry. following on a, like, a live ticker. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was watching more for yellow cards, more for yeah. fouls. I, I would expect... love to have, I've never thought I'd say this, but I would love to have FC Colin 2 tape to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I would now. Uh, but I'm, I think you're dead on. I think since he didn't sign with them, we're going to see him at Cone 2 until he comes back over here. Which, to be honest, I wonder MLS Next Pro might not be much different than that level. So just, it's not like he's going to have to humble himself or something like that. Um, any other thoughts about Tomas? Hope to see him more. Yeah. Selmir Pedro, we kind of talked about. We haven't gotten any minutes on him. But, yeah, the negativity was there. I thought that was really interesting from Stewart. He's still playing with his team, so he's one of the, he's one of those guys who he's a left back, and so he's not doesn't seem like he would just be doing anything flashy. But he's consistently getting ninety minutes. Him and Nilsson are the two that, and we don't need to talk about him because we haven't signed him yet. But those are the two that I've really been noticing get consistent playing time with their club, and get ninety minutes most games that they play. So the the endurance is there, the trust is there, uh, and so that's why I'm going to go back and look at that negative negative comment because it's it's curious to me seeing how much playing time and consistent uh, consistent appearances he gets across all competitions. Yeah, and Sarajevo, to that point, it's not like Sarajevo is at the bottom of the table. FK Sarajevo, who uh, Selmir plays for, they are fourth in the table of the Bosnian league. I'm looking at it right now. So they're, they're a decent team. Um, so he's playing and starting for a decent team in a uh, in a European league. I mean, they're not a top five league, but conventional wisdom says he's he's not a bad player. Yeah. Um, I've got his games in front of me. Ever since September 25th, he's played all 90, almost every single game. And, yep. he, and he has an assist on the 30th of October before the break. So... Um, you know, he's playing every game. Uh, what more can you ask? He played last on the 12th, just the other day. So, 
all is well in the world of Selmir Pedro. Doesn't sound like we have much else to say there, um, but we've also not really talked a lot about Zhao Klaus, um, but he is a player that has played a couple games with St. Truiden, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he got a goal actually right after we signed him, right? He got a goal in the, the next game. The weekend after we signed him, scored a goal. I'll take it. Oh look! This week he didn't. This week he didn't. He didn't do a whole lot. He he didn't start. He featured in the uh, 53rd minute as a sub. Played a center forward in a 5-3-2 formation that they were running. Um, he had two shots on goal, and his team went on to win one nothing. Great. He's getting minutes, and I think he's going to be good for us. I really like that signing as well. And like I said, he's really similar to the other strikers we use on that team, which is uh, Ferguson and doling he's a similar profile player i'm not gonna say he's the same but you get it am i missing anyone i think that's everybody yeah perfect okay. let's get some news out of the way and then we'll talk about our starting 11s that's what we'll finish with i'm looking at let's see how long have we been going here oh a little while so let's try to make this quick <laughs> in about the next 10 minutes and we'll try to rush through our starting 11. city two has a radio uh, broadcast that's going to be happening during the regular season. It's 5.50 a.m., right? I didn't get that wrong? Yep. Okay, good. Um, awesome. This is really great. If I can't watch it, I can listen to it in my in my car, which I've definitely done in the past with St. Louis FC. Yeah, so that kind of shores up the the broadcast coverage for that first game, at least. And, and they're not, they haven't been clear on if that's a season-long partnership or just for the first match, but, yeah. um, oh, sorry. you know, it's it, it's streaming now. Uh, I would assume it is. KTRS was really good for St. Louis FC, um, but it's streaming on MLSNextPro.com. It's the radio locally, 550, and obviously come out in person. Right. So that's one thing. I think we covered that pretty well. Open Cup game is no longer happening in St. Louis. It will be in Indianapolis. Massive bummer, right? Because Open Cup, we all like it maybe more than everyone wants us to. Madly in love with this competition. Um, I hope we get to see a game in St. Louis before it's over. I don't know. This could be our last chance. What do you guys think? Yeah, gotta win that that game against Indy first right. to to get a chance to see a game. But uh, yeah, we never found out why uh, it moved to uh, Indy. So that was kind of disappointing uh, that we're not gonna have a chance to see Open Cup. But hopefully, we will win. And uh, as we were talking earlier today, maybe uh, make a run and see some of these uh, signings play uh, in July in the later rounds. Do we know the the like the next round if we win the first game? Do, is there a date for the next round after that? I don't think they announce it till that round's over, but I might be wrong. Okay. It could be out there. It's something we should Google. It's gonna make a run. And I think I think we've all taken responsibility for the fact that we don't know why this has moved, and that's a simple question that we could have asked and we have not asked. That's on us, right? And other every uh, other journal. I, I did ask. You did? I did oh. ask while we were we were broadcasting. I heard um, sometimes schedules change. That that's the answer I got. So okay. uh, <laughs> guessing schedule conflict just makes the most sense and is logical. So uh, third round would be uh, April nineteenth through twenty first. Okay, that's my birthday um, weekend. So so. Yeah, draw is coming up on April 8th, following immediately following the second round. So 
Um, if we wanted to see some of these, if we wanted to see Berkey in uh, the U.S. Open Cup, he would have to. Oh man, he he wouldn't even make it for the semifinals. He would make it for the final if we could somehow beat <laughs> everybody. Beat, beat three USL teams, probably two USL teams, and um, USL championship, and probably you know two or three MLS teams. All right, so, well um, they should have worked. Ask. They should have worked this Berkey deal with a loan starting now. Yeah, He's not playing anyway. <laughs> right. so might as well get him over here. Right. Yeah, I mean, if, if if we ate some of the salary, I'm sure Dortmund would be pretty happy with that one. <laughs> they probably would, yeah. Um, another announcement we've all, I think everyone's kind of known about this, but it's been announced that Dale Schilly is a part of St. Louis City yes. SC, which is awesome, awesome news, right? Fantastic news. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. And it, it in passing, I'll just say that there's been some weird, funny stuff that's gone on out there, and... We all have a feeling that maybe Dale is going to put that weirdness to an end. So it, it, we've got Dale out there looking out for our kids is, is maybe one way to look at this, and I'm really excited about it. Good dude and smart dude, smart soccer dude. We all respect him. We all know about him at this point, if you're listening to this podcast probably. Um, all right, starting 11, guys. If we were to have a starting 11 that you built, let's say you're playing a video game and you're building a starting 11 on game one, of the MLS next pro season. Let's start with goalkeeper and back line. We should probably do a spreadsheet and actually put out the flyover footy starting 11, but let's just talk about it. I think we all agree Walker would start, right? In goal? Yeah, I think uh, Creek's played pretty well, but um, my, my bias is towards Walker. Um, he's a St. Louis FC Academy guy. Um, one a you know TK disciple, so he he makes sense to me. And I think he's looked the best. On top of that, I think he's looked very very good. Um, what about center backs? I think what would anyone disagree with Yarrow and Hebert as at least the top two? No, that that's that's got to be it. And when I think of what we're doing here, I'm definitely thinking from an eye of who I'm expecting, um, which doesn't quite differ from who I want. I don't know these guys that well. You know, I, I've, I've watched their preseason matches, but I'm not like in love with a player who hasn't been getting a lot of minutes and that I, I wish but isn't going to. So, I, I mean, every, all indications are you know, Walker's been seeing a lot of the minutes lately, and Yarrow and Hebert are consistently that – uh, center back tandem and they often play together uh, it seems they'll sub in together um, they won't start together those kinds of things so it seems like they have a really good rapport going and if we play three center backs Kwame will be one probably the newest center back if that's if we play three center backs Matt and I are never going to agree on this <laughs> but that's why I threw it in as a caveat right you and I are going to come to blows on this until they actually put out a formation <laughs> But it was one of my most fun things about the slew game is we're sitting there or we're standing there watching the players move around on the field and where they're kind of settling back into. And it's like, oh, man, yeah, no, there's definitely three players back there. The, I don't know what Kwame's doing on the left side so far up, or I don't know what uh, Akil's doing uh, moving up on the right side. But, you know, that I don't know what – I'm assuming 
and when I pick the starting 11, I'm kind of going from like a 4-3-3 perspective. It just seems like the most um, generic at this point. That might be a weird way to put it, but... No, that's fair. Yeah. I think that's totally fair. Um, Ezra and Akil Watts, if, if we had four in the back, would just be my fullbacks every single game if I had the choice, if they can handle it with their legs. What do you guys think? Any other fullbacks stand out? So I, I was told that since Kwame came in, Ezra has moved up to more of a midfield, uh, left side, left mid role. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know about forward, but so when I think of the the fullbacks, I've, I'm looking at Kwame and Akil Watts. Uh, Kwame on the left side, Akil on the right. And you yeah. and you put Ezra in the midfield or forward line, something like that. Yeah, I have him on my forward line. Which, which is a nice little bit of, uh, if, if you go, not to jump too far ahead, but if you have Ezra on the left and Dita on the right, then you have the Armstrong brothers both on the field at the <laughs> same time. It's pretty cool. Yeah. The forward line's the hardest. I think, you know, if you want to just say who are your favorite, well, we should just do it this way. Your favorite center mids, it's hard to pick two, but I think we could all easily pick three. Yeah, I won't say mine, but what do you guys think? Uh, I'm going to go with... AJ Schneider and Kuzane as my midfield. Yeah. Um, but ding, I, ding, I ding. think I think Diaz and Rivas will, are also good choices in that center mid role. Um, but I think AJ and Schneider are are nailed on just as much as Yarrow is at this point. Yeah. If you want a if you want a guy that's going to punch you in the nose and not take any BS at Schneider and AJ, right? Like those guys, especially against Louisville, they were getting stuck in. That was my favorite part about that game, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, So that's good. Yeah, I think those three go without saying. The attacking line, it's super hard to decide because it's been, I think, the most heavily rotated. Guys will look good and and not so good in different games. It's really hard for me, other than Dolan. The the mids were easy. I feel that's, that's an easy lock. But I'm I'm almost lost on the right hand side on who they're really going to go with. I, I think Ezra is uh, running away with it more or less the way his minutes, the way they're lining him up with the other starters lately. Doling is an obvious choice for center forward, but I, I really don't know what they're doing on the right hand side. It seems like they're trying to give Dita Armstrong a lot more minutes. Yeah, um, he's only seventeen or eighteen, so he's pretty young. Uh, he comes from the same academy that Ezra. And their dad, um, Ezra, came from originally, and their dad runs. So I, I don't know a whole lot about him other than just where he comes from. I don't think there's a whole lot of tape on him. But he seems like he's getting more minutes. But that leaves, like, Celio Pompeo, Sergio Rivas, Vitor Diaz. I, I just don't know. And, and, and Celio, in particular, has been electric when he's been on the field Mm -hmm. so but he seems like he's been playing more on the left side and i don't know if that was that first match i think it was it might have been loose city but it might have been memphis where um ezra was left back celio was at left um i think it was loose city celio was uh the left mid and they had a lot of overlapping runs they were really they seemed like they were in sync towards the end of the game yeah and if ezra is moving up on the left mid i don't know what really happens to celio in that in that sense, um, whether he moves over, if they shift a formation to fit him in there, yeah. um, Dita just seems like he's getting more minutes, and it would be pretty cool to just say the Armstrong brothers up front. <laughs> be easy, yeah. I would say 
that Diaz and Martins are kind of um, seem. If you were going to pick veterans that are in there that are going to push through a game, I'd say those are the two I'd pick to be right under Doling or to the side of Doling, however you want to look at it. Uh, but they haven't played in a while, so I could be way off on that. Um, I thought Gibbs, the, the young Gibbs, I forgot his name, um, looked great in the first game, Memphis. I thought he looked pretty good. Carson? Carson, thank you. That, to me, is another weird thing, though, is, is and I don't know how much time we have to get into the academy or the amateur players, but I thought Jack Wagner looked really good early on as well uh, with Carson Gibbs. And, you know, I didn't see anything negative out of uh, – out of Josh Mayer and Fritz Vollmer when they were playing. Agree. I, I was a little hesitant on um, Nathan Ferguson when uh, it, it, it might have been just coming off the back of doling, but there was a little more hesitancy uh, to some of the, the balls he was playing on um, almost unwillingness to uh, do anything, but uh, receive the ball in the box. And I, and I, I juxtaposed this with what doling was doing against um, MSU, especially where he was, he was getting to the ball. He was making moves. He was he was almost like a playmaker up there to uh, to deliver the ball, and I, I didn't see that. But at the same time, Ferguson hasn't seen a whole lot of minutes lately, from what I could see, and that kind of goes across the board to the amateurs. So I'm I'm not quite sure what the long term plan is for them in City Two. When we're talking about the starting lineup, none of us have mentioned a single amateur, and so I, I don't. And that that lines up with what we've been seeing on the field uh, for the bulk of the minutes. So that's an interesting storyline that I'm definitely going to follow during the season is what they do with them. Another interesting thing that I think we've missed is when Doling's not playing and Ferguson's not playing, it's a rarity that it's anyone but those two. But um, in the first half of Missouri State, someone was playing striker and it wasn't either of those two. So um, I think we might have missed that. And it could have been the mystery player we were talking about. Who knows? (laughs) Well, I, I, their offense was a lot more cohesive in the second half. That was That's true very too. much apparent. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we haven't talked about him yet, but um, he's kind of fallen out. But Aaron Hurd was kind of nailed on to be a starter before the roster got announced in any games. I think we all were assuming that. I mean, was that Aaron Aaron playing that uh, in the game yesterday? Who might have been playing center mid? It's possible. Um, the The only reason we were saying no is Instagram snooping. It's like he got a haircut. And like we might have been wrong. Like two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it took us like forever to figure out who Ben DeRosa was, so we're not yeah. the best. Uh, I mean, this is what happens when you don't have numbers on players. Yeah, just give us numbers. I mean, we might be the only ones like really caring about this. I don't know. I'll just say that's yeah. why like I haven't chimed in at all because I have barely been able to keep up with anything. And the only games I've been to, I've had my dog with me, who's been very distracting. So there's <laughs> oh, like five, the five guys who I know, and I'm like, yeah, they're cool. Put them in there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we need Margo on the show. She just can. <laughs> She, I Margo mean, she usually will barge in and jingle around, that. but... <laughs> Margo is the main reason uh, that anyone should go to any City 2 games this year. If Margo's going to be there, anyone who might want to go should be there. Just <laughs> amazing team mascot. You can even walk her around the field so I can watch the game more. Yeah. 
That's that open cool. field with the grass that they're playing on the other the, day. The last, the Louisville game is the last one I went to, and I was able to. I like just like tied her to the fence, and I did get to catch more of the game. Good. <laughs> You're ready for parenthood. This is perfect. <laughs> uh, I think the last thing we've, because we've mentioned this multiple times, is we do all find it strange that we have these academy kids that we thought are going to get minutes kind of the Aaron Hurd thing we just mentioned but there's a lot of academy kids who have a lot of potential who we thought would be like okay they're going to want a lot of grown man minutes so that they're ready to go um, ready to be on to the next level after MLS and ready to really step in for MLS when it, when the time comes and they haven't been getting a lot of experience in preseason now preseason is preseason and we have an academy season going right now too so um, who knows but that is something we're all wondering that if, if we had loots in the room I think that'd be my first question I'd be like hey what's going on here if any insight on that it'd be really interesting so do you think part of it is since all these new guys came in who come from different spots all around I guess trying to get them to mesh since they're like the, the more senior roles and the more senior leaders on the team like let them mesh and and build this out and then we'll plug in the academy kids I mean not academy kids but you know the the younger talent as who we know can, the system but, who know the system from their academy yeah but it's Which we got to let these guys gel to create this team before we can start slotting these guys in it's a I've, fair thought. I've had the same thought. Yeah, I could see it. I think the the in, the difficult thing I think through long term is now we're talking. We just talked earlier about the the city SC guys that were signing the internationals coming in to play MLS Next Pro. We're up to four or five guys who are going to have roster spots on City Two after July. That's going to take slots away from some of the guys potentially like a doling or. Uh, or Walker, or maybe even Hebert. You know, some of these guys who we're saying are they're rock solid where they are now, they might lose starting spots. And so, if we're already talking about the amateurs, the former academy guys struggling to, or where are they on the on the pitch and finding their minutes? How exacerbated is that issue going to be in the back half of the season? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like the time to give the minutes is now. Um, it's not going to happen in July. So I, I get Jake's point of view that, yeah, you, you get like the veterans and you have to get them acclimated to, to the team. But at some point, you have to start giving minutes to uh, these younger guys. It's a balancing act, and I'm glad it's not my job, right? But we'll see how it goes. Um, one more preseason game. And then we have game one of the real season. So uh, time's ticking. It's coming close. And I'm really, really excited to get this going. Um, I'm going to miss the first game, actually. And I'm really sad about it. I'm going to go out of town. I know. <laughs> um, so I'll be missing you guys. But I know I'll be at that next one. So, And I know. I've heard that. Go ahead. I've heard on that first game it's going to be kind of uh, an all-out show from MLS Next Pro. Um, oh, right. Like sideline reporters and stuff. Sideline yeah. reporters, yeah. I think MLS. I don't know if uh, Albrecht or whatever the president's name of MLS Next Pro. I, I, he's going to be there. Um, rumors that Don Garber is going to be there, so MLS might be sending oh. some some folks. And then um, you know, sideline reporters are going to be there for MLS. So it, I think it's going to be. And, and I wouldn't expect anything less. The first game of the entire league. Right. Um, you know, I, I think they're going to go all out. So it should be a, a, a good time. And 
plugging our own um, soccer fandom, the tailgate, there is a tailgate 515 on the roof of the uh, Olive Compton parking garage yes. for the match. So that'll be that'll be a fun opportunity to kind of get in the spirit of everything. So back into real matches, uh, lots of lots of new fans, old friends. That'll be a fun time. Makes me think about the roustabouts. That's the last time I went to a game at SLU in preseason. That's cool. All right. Um, that's it for today, guys. Uh, we'll try to hit you up in the next week or two, and we'll have a real game to talk about if it's in two weeks. Uh, Till then, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>